This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. I mentioned last week that I want to talk about a topic this evening that is uh, relatively uh, more discussed, Shiloh, and it's the question of what they call lab meat slash clean meat. What does it mean in English? What it basically means is what they're doing now with technology is they're going to an animal. It could be any animal. They're doing it with birds also, fish. They go to an animal. They basically take a needle and they take out of it, they take either, they take cells, stem cell, muscle, fat from the animal. They put it together in a, in a dish and from that they can create meat. That's what's called clean meat slash lab meat. That's what they're doing now. And there are billions of dollars invested in this new industry. This is not just for Jewish people. This is a big industry around the world. Bill Gates invested a lot of money in this. Now, what's the reason why this is so popular? Why would people want meat that is made like that and not good old-fashioned cow meat? So there's a couple of reasons. For those, uh, those who love the environment, they, it's been proven, this, this is not the Chiddush, that a lot of the carbon traffic comes from cows. So if we can limit the amount of cows we need to produce meat, it would be better for the environment. Now, would it be even better for religious Jews? Why would it be better for religious Jews? Because of the animals that we get to use, there's a small amount that we can use. A lot of them are trephus, a lot of them we can't use. But if we don't need so much cow to produce steaks and uh, hamburgers, it would perhaps bring down some of the prices for kosher meat. So there's a lot of incentives for the world and for the Jewish population as well for this new clean meat or lab meat to become accessible and available. At the moment, it's not available at uh, in your local grocery stores. Wasserman's doesn't have it yet, but it's going to take time. There's different machoikis. Many people say it will be this quicker than you think. Others say, no, it won't be this so fast. Okay. You could uh, read, read whichever article you want to believe about how soon it will get to our table. But uh, I believe everything eventually gets everywhere. So at some point, we'll have to have this discussion of what halachic status do you give to this piece of meat. So there's a couple of things right off the bat. I didn't taste it, so I can't say. They say it tastes something like that. They say it tastes similar. I don't know if it's perfect, but they say it tastes similar. Now, what are some of the issues we have to discuss? So there's a couple of things that have to be discussed. They're still going to sell cow meat. They're still going to sell cow meat. Now, again, if this becomes very popular, they might sell less cow meat. But again, it might be relevant if it's going to be kosher. So if it's not going to be kosher, they're not going to sell it in the kosher grocery stores. So what are some of the issues that have to be discussed? So the first question is, where are they getting the cells from? What type of animal? Are they getting it from a kosher animal? So if you hold that cells that come from an animal have no halachic status, so you can take it from a pig. You can take it from a trefa. You can take it from any animal. It doesn't have to be from a kosher cow. That's issue number one. Issue number two is that when they take the cells from the animal and now they make it into a piece of meat that they're going to serve, is that considered flesh? Is, uh, is that meat? Can I put a cheese, piece of cheese on that? Would I be allowed to eat it as a cheeseburger? Is it dairy? Is it meat? What, how, is it pariv? It's not going to be dairy. It's either going to be meat or it's going to be pariv. What is this thing considered? How do I look at something that originated from cells of an animal and now it's merely a piece of meat? But again, it originated from the cells. So that's a question that the Rabbanim have been dealing with for the last, I'd say, uh, couple, last couple of years. Uh, they've been dealing with the Shiloh, it's been the gain in Eretz Yisrael, they dealt with it. Now they're dealing with the OU in America, is dealing with the Shiloh. Again, the, the real Shiloh is, how do you look at something that you created really from nothing? Again, it's not really created from nothing. This is where it gets a little tricky. We'll talk about the famous Gemara. The Gemara talks about something called Sefi Yitzira. Sefi Yitzira was a power that was given in the times of the Gemara to create Yesh Me'ayin. 
they, they, they were able to say some, some psukim and words, and they talk, created magic. This is not magic, right? You're starting off with cells of an animal. The question that we have to figure out is, what is the status of those cells? Do we say, well, the cells came from the animal, so they have the status of the animal. So if the animal is kosher, the cells are kosher. If the animal is meat, then this is meat. Or do you say not? So these are all some of the shilas that the great kedolim of our time are dealing with. Now again, I'm not here to weigh in on such a shilas. This is way beyond my pay scale. So uh, you got to speak to bigger people. But I'm going to tell you what some of the raids, some of the information that is being thrown around about this topic. First of all, in the OU, they're torn about this. Which is ready to write, it's a good Shiloh. They're torn about the Shiloh between the two senior Paiskim of the OU, Herschel Shechter and Rabasha Weiss, are of a big disagreement of how to look at this piece of meat. Rabasha Weiss is of the opinion, and we'll get to maybe some of his writings tonight, if not, we'll have to take a different night. Rabasha Weiss is of the opinion that if it looks like meat and it smells like meat, then it's meat. That's it, end of story. Looks like it, smells like it, you know. What do they say about a duck? If it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Says Rabasha Weiss, it looks like meat, it smells like meat, it's meat. End of story. He holds its meat, l'chol chomer, and he holds the whole shayla and never gets off the ground. It's a whole piece of meat. Now, according to him, if you take the, the, the cells from a non-kosher animal, then the meat would be not kosher, presumably. It's meat from a non-kosher animal. Which, again, right now, in the current situation, they're only taking cells from a live animal, which is going to present another problem of Eva Menachai. Because they take the cells, the animal's alive. So they take the cells when the animal is alive and then they breed these cells into this new thing. This might be deemed Eva Menachai, which is another issue that Rabbi Shalai has with this meat. But again, that, that's a, a secondary issue. So Rabbi Shalai is actually on the other side. He holds, no, it's Bechlal. He holds, it's not meat at all. It's Mamish Parav. That's actually the opinion of the chief rabbi in Eretz Yisrael. Rabbi Lau holds that way. He holds, it's absolutely not meat. It's Parav Legambri. Now, there is an interesting, I was listening to a, a shia from Rabbi Ginnak from the OU. He did point out we have a third issue to deal with. Besides for figuring out what everything is considered, what happened to Marasayin? Well, you have a halacha, it's not so, it's not so popular today, but there is a halacha in Shulchan Aruch, that if you're gonna, so, if you're gonna serve milk, that, let's say almond milk, which is not dairy, you have to leave the, the almond shells on the table. That's what it says in Shulchan Aruch. I know one does that today. So the later price can dealt with this. When they started producing parav and milk, they felt, well, if you leave the bottle on the table and the bottle says parav and people know that there's parav, it's okay. A lot of flesh restaurants, they'll serve ice cream. Or they'll serve you a coffee, they'll put creamer in it. They don't put the, they don't put the bottle on the table that says, this is parav and creamer. So later, Rechrein felt it's already assumed there's no more marasayin anymore today. People know there's such an invention in the world called parav uh, uh, cream, and people know there's such a thing in the world called parav ice cream, so it's not such an issue. We do have to talk about, it reminds me, we have to talk about, there's a coffee creamer that you can get today in the store that says O-U-D. I don't know if any of you have ever came across it. A couple of people have asked me about this in the last couple of weeks. There is a coffee creamer out there that's under the O-U and it says O-U-D. And it's not DE, it's not dairy equipment. There's actually milk in that coffee creamer. So it's almost like a tarte disastri. Parva creamer with OUD. So we'll have to one day, Bilineder, talk about that shaila. But whatever, Marasan, I walk into the guy's uh, house, I go to a restaurant, fast forward six months from now, you walk to a restaurant, they're serving you cheeseburgers with lechatchila. What happened to Marasan? How are we going to allow this? Do, how do we deal with Marasayin? It's something that should have to be considered going forward. It seems like the OU, just to, not to be a, a joy kill, but it seems like the OU is going to come out probably Lahachmir. Being that there are so many people that are not going to accept this meat as kosher, they're probably not going to be able to give it as a hashkacha across the board. But again, what you'll do in your own house is going to be up to you. But for any OU uh, restaurants or OU events, between me and you, it sounds like from the articles and listening to Rabbi Moshe Ganak, it sounds like they're probably not going to give the hashkacha to it because it's just too controversial. Being there's such a, a large population of people that won't eat, it's just not kedai for them to do. But if you go to Eretz Yisrael, if you look at 
The chief rabbi that Allah holds 100%. He thinks it's power of Mekir Adin. Now, how do you start to talk about such a shayla? Where do you look? Where do you look for such a shayla? Look in Shulchan Aruch where he talks about stem cells. You can look a whole day, you're not going to find anything. Where do you look at the Gemara? The Gemara never talks about these things. So where did the Achorinim even begin to talk about such a shayla? It's an amazing thing. So you could say, you go, we'll go a little out of order. There are Gemaras, which maybe we'll talk about. But one of the places are, there is some interesting Midrashim. Not just Midrashim, there's some interesting Gedolim. For example, we quote very often, I try to quote it every year in Parshas Vayera. Right, every year in Parshas Vayera, there's a very difficult passage in Parshas Vayera. The passage says that Avram Avinu served the Malachim, he served them butter and milk, and he gave him cattle that he prepared. So Rashi says, what does it mean, So Rashi says, it means that he prepared, not that he made. You don't make cow, you prepare it. That's what Rashi says. But there's a famous commentary from the Malbum. The Malbum says in that passage, no, no, no. Avram Avinu made this meat through Sefi Yitzir. So that's something we have before we get to, you know, uh, DNA and stem cell. There was a thing, and this is brought down in the Gemara Sanhedrin, called Sefi Yitzir. Sefi Yitzir was a Sefer written by supposedly Avram Avinu. That if you know how to be mitzarif, mitzarif, the words and the letters, you can create a people and you can create meat and animals. And the Gemara tells us stories in Sanhedrin that certain Amorim, instead of having to go shopping in the grocery store on Friday, they, they, they uh, created meat through Sefi Yitzira. So that's, I guess, one place. I, I thought they had milfits first in the Chumash. That's one way to answer it. One way to answer is that he first had the Ben Abakar. We're going to come back to the album in a second. So Sefi Yitzir has already been on the books. Now, is Sefi Yitzir the same thing as this? Not really. Because Sefi Yitzir, Imamish do magic. Poof. You know, I don't know. Don't try this at home. I don't know how you do it exactly. But somehow you say some words and it appears. Right? So that's Mamish Yesh Me'ayin. This is not Yesh Me'ayin. You didn't create a cow in a lab. You took, the, you took something from that original animal and grew it into something else. So I'm not so sure that they're exactly comparable. So what do we have by Sefi Yitzira? So we have this famous Malbum. The Malbum says, And it's not a problem of Bosa B'chalv. You know why? Because it was made through Sefi Yitzira. Meat that is not from a cow is not subjected to the rules of Bosa B'chalv. Azegi Paskin's the Malbum. And the Pesachet Tshuva discusses whether or not, let's say they used to make these animals. Puff, cow appears. Did you have to shchit on that cow? The answer is no, it's not a cow. Cows are things that are natural cows. These are magical cows. Magical cows don't need shechita. So if you follow that logic, you say to yourself, well, this is magical meat. And magical meat doesn't need to have any halachas to it. But it's not exactly magical meat. It's meat that was played with, but not magical. So that's, to me, that's a very important nakuda that it needs to be distinguished between magically made meat, poof, versus taking cells from an animal and working on it to get it to the point where, now, where it now is a piece of meat. We find fam- famously the Shlach Kaddish writes, we know that uh, Yosef used to tattle back to his father all the Averis that his brothers did. So what were the Averis that his brothers did? So we know one of the Averis was they used to eat Avim and Achai, supposedly, and they used to live with, the, uh, with women. So the Shlach Kaddish writes famously, it's also called by Pesachai Tshuva, what does it mean the brothers ate Avim and Achai? He says, no, it meant they made it through Sefi Yetzirah. These were not real cows and real animals that the brothers ate David Menachai. These were animals that were created through Sefi Yitzir. And Dr. Shlach and the brothers weren't wrong. Because things made through Sefi Yitzir don't have a halachic status in the halachic world. Okay? I'm not so sure if that translates to this genetic tampered meat. Sefi Yitzir to me is something you make from scratch. So if I have magic, I can go poof. Again, believe it or not, at Paskins and Shulchan Aruch, you're allowed to use Sefi Yitzir. You're allowed to use it. 
It's one of the gifts that HaKadosh Baruch Hu brought to the world that those who know how to use it can do this. Now, it is interesting to me is a Ben Yoyada. It's a Ben Yoyada that writes that meat that's made through Sevitsu does not taste as good. Which Lafiza, I have a stickle kasha, so why would Avram Avinu serve his guests the second quality meat? We know Avram Avinu was the expert Machnasarchim. So if you're the expert Machnasarchim, you don't give them second quality, you give them the best. You don't give them the, the Shvachist. And why would the Amaroyim use that for Shabbos? The Amaroyim would want to be Machabit Shabbos on the highest level. But either way, you see from the Gemara that Sefi Yitzir Taka is a different rule. But can you compare that to our Gemara? So there's one almost, oh, it's already late. Okay. So that's just a Hakdom, I guess. We'll have to discuss this maybe a different time. But that's just the beginning point. Can you compare? Now again, these are all Drushim. You know, the Malbam on Parshish Vayera is a little hard to expand it to a whole new rule in Hilchas Basel for Judaism for Dairi Dairis. But I mean, I'm not so sure that the initial comparison to Sefi Yitzira is exactly comparable to the case of the DNA. The other thing we have to discuss, and there's more to discuss to this topic, is how much credence do you give to DNA? Do you look at DNA as a thing, or DNA being that it's not recognizable by the naked eye, it doesn't have a halachic status? That's why the whole discussion with the bugs in the water and all those other things that we eat today, if you open your mouth outside, there are tons of bugs that are going into your mouth. So how are you allowed to breathe? The answer is because it's not nickel DNA is not nickel either. So does that play a role? Okay, Belinette will have to try to be mamshach at a different time to get down to some of the Gemaras. There are two Gemaras, two major Gemaras, one in Sanhedrin and one in Menachas that we have to work out to see maybe we can bring a ride from those Gemaras to back either one of the opinions regarding this new found clean meat.